Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast. We have a special bonus episode for Commander 2019. Wizards of the Coast has provided us with a free preview card from the upcoming Commander set, and we are super excited to share it with you. My name is Joey Schultz, and I'm joined today by my lovely co-hosts. First up, the speedster whose article series takes you from 60 to 100 is Matt Morgan. Joey, do you know what the tallest building in the world is? I do not. What is the tallest building in the world? It is the library because it has the most stories. Well, as we'll find out from our preview card, stories do define our reality. Next, the man whose articles remind you to look in the margins, Zdana Roach. I think we should rename this podcast The Fast and Furious Present Morgan, Roach, and Schultz. Please, 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 no. I'm on board. And I'm Joey Schultz, author of the Commander Showdown series. All these articles and more can be found at edhrec.com, along with some awesome featured community content, such as other Commander podcasts and gameplay videos. EDHREC itself is a fantastic deck-building resource that compiles data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new Commander decks. And here on the podcast, we're going to give all that data a little more context. You guys, we have a preview card for Commander 2019, and it is cool. Yeah, the day has finally come where we, we get our own new preview card and it's it's a doozy yeah absolutely this is going to show up in the morph deck of the different decks that are coming out in commander 2019 we know that they are built around old mechanics so we have things like morph we have populate we've got flashback this is really cool and this particular one belongs to the morph deck but it doesn't actually say morph on it but it is still interacting with that particular mechanic in a very unique way dana do you want to read this card for us because it is weird. I certainly can. Uh, Winds of Wrath, three... Whoa, what? No, wait, shoot. That's our previous preview card. Last, okay, sorry about that. That's Dana, last fast forward a year. Fast uh, forward. That's, yeah, we'll just... They'll take care of the edit. Nobody will even know. Also, I'm professional. It'll be fine. And I'll pick up now. Uh, the card is Scroll of Fate. It's a three-mana artifact with a tap ability. Very simply just says, manifest a card from your hand. That one line of rules text actually has a whole lot of stuff that goes into it. And thankfully, there's reminder text for this to walk people through in case they're less familiar with the manifest keyword, because it is a little different than the morph keyword. It's megamorph. We're familiar with. It's megamorph, right? Uh, we don't talk about mega, megamorph. Mega manifest. Su- supermorph. <laughs> mega manifest? No, please stop distracting us. <laughs> so morph, everyone knows you'd pay three mana, you'd put a creature face down, and you can turn it over for its morph cost. Manifest is a little bit different. When you manifest a card, it is also a face down 2-2 creature, but you can turn it face up at any time for its mana cost, but only if it's a creature card. This card, Scroll of Fate, is so crazy because you can manifest anything. Normally, you'd have to do that through a bunch of other ways, but you can manifest any card in your hand. And that can lead to some really wonky scenarios. Yeah, it really opens up a lot of kind of weird possibilities, even in decks that aren't based around Morph. I, I really like this card. Yeah, just the, the manifest itself, it's it's cool because you can still turn any creature, no matter what it is, face up, even if it doesn't have a morph cost or a flip cost, whatever the, the cost is, it lets you turn a card up because manifest, it doesn't care if the card originally has morph or not. You can just turn it up anytime for its mana cost, and it's it's going to create a lot of interesting scenarios. 
Right, so let's try and walk through some of the different applications for this particular card, Scroll of Fate. First of all, if we are on the subject of morph creatures, there are actually some morph creatures that if you were to manifest them using Scroll of Fate, you'd be able to get around some expensive morph costs, which I think is pretty cool. This applies to a couple of different cards, like for example, Hooded Hydra. Hooded Hydra, classically, you can put it face down for three mana, and then you'd have to flip it face up for five mana. But now, if you were to manifest it, you could then switch it back face up by just playing GG, just playing do green mana instead of having to pay three GG and paying five mana total, and you'd still be able to get his benefit. There's another one, Void Mage Apprentice. Its mana cost is two, but its morph cost is four. But if you put it face down by manifesting it with Scroll of Fate, you can flip it up for only two mana to counter a spell for much cheaper than people would be able to anticipate. Willbender, Fathom Seer, Karu Spell Snatcher, there are a bunch of little weird interactions here and there that can actually end up saving you mana if you are running it in a morph deck, which I think is pretty cool. But I think you guys are right to point out that there's a lot of cool applications outside of morph shenanigans too. Yeah, I mean it. It you know kind of functions like a mana rock in a way if you're in some kind of a blink deck because you would just you know basically manifest the creature, letting you cast it for basically zero mana, and then when your Brago swings in or whatever it's going to be, then you flip that creature, <clears throat> you 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 blink it with Brago and have it come back into play face up, having then basically just saved having to cast it. Yeah, which is really cool. Plus, Brago can blink the Scroll of Fate itself, which would then put it back into play untapped, so you can use the ability again. Oh, yeah. That that just that sounds like we're getting dirty. <laughs> well, Brago needed some help. It's kind of been considered kind of a weak deck for a lot of years. <laughs> Stop <laughs> being sarcastic. So. <laughs> Not everyone knows it when you're sarcastic, Dana. <laughs> uh, but no, I I like the but application. You guys knew. I mean, now that now that we're moving on from Dana's random applications. <laughs> um, I really like it because it is an instant speed ability. So you can manifest any card from your hand at instant speed and make an emergency blocker. Say you have a, a land card that you drew that's just a dead thing. You don't need any more lands in play. You can just manifest it, have a surprise blocker, and it basically chumps and turns a land into a almost kind of a, a fog type of effect for you know a big creature. Yeah, that is one of my favorite applications here as well. The fact that you can just wait until the end of someone else's turn to actually commit one of these things to the board. The fact that it can be any card. You can just throw a random spell onto the battlefield if you just need a creature just in play just because. Like, that's also a really cool application, and people will not be anticipating some of that stuff at instant speed. And actually, speaking of instant speed, remember that turning a creature face up is a special action that doesn't use the stack. So if you do manifest a card from your hand, say an uh, Avon Mind Sensor, for example, which restricts other people from searching their libraries effectively, when someone goes to switch, you know, search their library, you can just then turn the creature face up for its mana cost, even though you already had it in play, and then suddenly they have a creature that you they didn't know that they had to deal with. And that's a special action that doesn't use the stack, which is really cool. Like, the fact that this doesn't use the stack, you're not casting the creature, you can even get around counter spells in some way. Or if your opponent has, you know, got tax effects, like Rhystic Study, for example, you don't have to pay for those creatures, you can just slip them into play very quietly and then flip them face up that way, which is really, really cool. Yeah, or, you know, someone goes to, you know, blammo your hand and exile it or something, and you're like, man, I don't want to lose this card. You know, if it's a creature, great, but even if it isn't a creature, well, I'm, I'm going to turn this true conviction into a creature because I want to use it in two turns to kill somebody, and I can recover it from my graveyard versus if they're going to hit my hand and exile it or something, it's just gone, gone. Or you have something in your hand you want to keep around because someone's going to cast, you know, a Wheel of Fortune or some kind of a wheel spell, well... I might as well dump this right now because and make it a creature because I'm going to discard it anyway to this wheel effect. 
So there's a lot of like real niche corner case kind of situations where not only is it going to be a good card in the deck that wants it, you're going to find yourself doing other things with it that generate value as well. Yeah, it especially can help you get around some negative effects. Matt, do you want to walk us through some of those? Because there's some neat interactions with creatures that have nasty enter the battlefield abilities. Yeah, so I mean, the, the first one that comes to mind, obviously, Phage the Untouchable. Uh, if When Phage enters the battlefield, if you didn't cast it from your hand, you lose the game. So it's a nice way to sneak it into play, flip it later. You don't have to worry about the enter the battlefield trigger that obviously makes you lose the game. So it's a nice way to get around a very, very powerful card that has obvious downside um, Lord of Tressorhorn is another one. Uh, there's some cards, too, that are just kind of hard to cast. Rakdos, Lord of Riots, you can't cast him unless the opponents have lost life that turn. Phyrexian Dreadnought, everybody loves the Legacy deck where you phase it in and out just to make sure you avoid you know, having to sacrifice 12 power worth of creatures. You can just flip Phyrexian Dreadnought for one mana after you've manifested it, and you get away from all that. Um, Eater of Days, Wormfang Manta, uh, the Hunted Cycle, that's a, a bunch of creatures that have a negative downside when they enter the battlefield, so... Uh, it, it's kind of cool to be able to dodge that, but you still have a very powerful and usually under-costed creature at that. Yeah, I really love that application. I am curious, though. I mean, there are a bunch of different ways that folks have been able to run something like Phage the Untouchable as an actual commander. They'll use, for example, Torpor Orb or uh, the Command Beacon to put Phage into their hand from the command zone so that they can cast it from their hand without you know, risking that lose-the-game trigger. Do you think that this particular card, Scroll of Fate, would show up in a Phage deck, since it is usually a little bit more difficult to get Phage into the hand? What do you guys think on that front? Is that a practical application when Phage is your commander, or would it be more of a Phage is in the 99 kind of situation? I think it's going to be Phage in the 99. Uh, Phage still has quadruple black in the mana cost, so Phage is pretty hard to cast in general. Um, it's a lot easier if you can just get that out there as a manifest, and then a couple turns later, then you, you build up the mana. So I don't think it's going to be worth jumping through another hoop with Phage at the 99, um, but that's just me. I'd rather not have to jump through seven hoops to make my commander worth running. But, you know, I, I'm sure there are other people that will see it as, as a fun challenge to, to play around. Yeah. Well, yeah, I kind of agree. That, that That's a lot to deal with to get to that point. Um, but if you're in a deck that has other things to take advantage of um, this card, then maybe it's worth at that point. Because, like, well, maybe I'll get lucky and have Phage out at the right time, and, and I'll be able to do this. And if I don't, it's still a useful card in my deck because I'm running some morph creatures or because I'm taking advantage of, you know, this kind of thing. So th there's a little bit of synergy there that maybe you'll get lucky with. I don't know if it's the kind of thing you want to run specifically hoping you have that combination out. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I also think that <laughs> sort of just generally, and I, I can't believe it took us this long to actually bring it up, but like the mystery involved with face-down creatures, that's an element that we are not used to engaging with. But even then, once we do know about you know creatures that are going to be able to be placed face-down and stuff like that, like people are generally able to interact with those in a certain way. Like a good magic player, for example, can memorize all of the creatures that have morph or, dare we say it, megamorph. Like, there's still some mystery to it, but they generally expect what would be able to flip over. With Scroll of Fate, we have no idea. We don't know if it's a thing that was put that, that was put face down. We don't know if that's a spell or, and they're just bluffing if that's a creature or if it turns out that they put an Avacyn Angel of Hope down there. Like, there's a lot of 
poker play that comes into this particular card just as a result of its ability and the extra manipulation that you can do because you're putting it as a card from your hand and not just, you know, a random card off the top of your deck with a reality shift, for example. I really like the different dynamic that that brings into it. Since we're podcasting for EDH Rec, I kind of want to know, you know, EDH Rec is all about measuring the popularity of cards. What do you guys think would be the most popular deck for this Scroll of Fate? Obviously, we don't know the commanders just yet at time of recording for the Morph deck, so, you know, it will probably show up in one of those for sure. But what about outside of that? Where do you think this ends up most in the 99? I, I would guess in that Animar Morph deck that you see sometimes, I think that would be the probably natural home for it because there's already a ton of Morph creatures in there, so it's going to let you take advantage of a few things we mentioned earlier or you can save mana on things like Fathom Sphere, Seer or whatever. So I think that's probably the, uh, the, the easiest, most logical home for it. But I think I could see it show up in some Brago lists for sure as well, or maybe even something like a Rune. See, I, I think the, the Flicker decks, the, that's kind of an obvious fit. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily yeah. the most exciting. I think one commander from, I believe it was last year's pre-con, uh, Aminatu the Fate Shifter. That's all about hand manipulation, yeah. top of your deck manipulation. I think that's going to be a natural home for Scroll of Fate. I, I think Aminatu just hand-in-hand hand is going to just read this one like a book. <laughs> or read it like a scroll, Read it like mean? some sort of a scroll mastery, yes. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you there, Matt. I think that Aminatu's blink ability opens a lot of doors for this particular card, and the hand manipulation that you mentioned is also really key. You can play a lot of tricks on your opponents and make them do a lot of guesswork just by adding in a couple of little things like this. This is definitely really cool. I am excited to see it grace the format. And I just have one final question for you guys. Does this card, Scroll of Fate, make Scroll Tribal viable? Uh, Man, it was so it was so close before, but I, I'm not sure this is quite enough to push it over the top. <laughs> there are 11 total cards that say scroll in the name. <laughs> so one of these days we will get there. Azami, Lady of Scrolls, you are getting closer and closer to having a deck that is full of nothing but scrolls. We promise the day will eventually come. See, I do think that's a flavor win, but as we know, it takes 12 <laughs> cards of the same type or same name to get into a qualifies a quote unquote tribal deck. So you're one card short of having a scroll deck. Ah, darn. One day we will get there. Guys, this card looks so cool. I love the art. Like, like that it mirrors the art from Scroll of the Masters from Fate Reforged. I absolutely adore the flavor text on this card. Our stories define our reality, a quote by Ugin. I think that that's also just a really cool touch. And as a writer, I really appreciate the sentiment there too. I'm excited to see this card and all of the other stuff that is happening in Commander 2019. Yeah, I, this card is just, it's very exciting. It's its a cool, interesting card that does something that I think we haven't seen enough of. So it's its cool design space, and I'm excited to see you know what decks it starts showing up in. I am too. I love it. We are excited. This is looking like a really cool commander set. Always love Commander Preview Season. On that note, I think we are going to call this episode to a close. Thanks again to Wizards of the Coast for giving us this free preview card, and thanks to our listeners for supporting the show. Tune in next Friday for our regular show. This week we're breaking down the differences in EDH Rex old data versus EDH Rex new data, and we'll be back at you soon with more data and insights. But until then, remember, EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck. Wreck your deck.